So there, there's no cue to jump. So stop going on about it. Don't want to hear about it. Don't want to hear that term ever again. It's a load of crap. Doesn't exist. No cue jumpers. At least if we're talking about asylum speakers, I suppose we're talking about people buttoning ahead of you in the queue at the pub. Probably are cue jumpers. Quite a, quite an evil thing to do. That's local band. Uh, fuck that. Before that, Mouthguard, he looked a lot like Didi Ramone. Before that, the Flangipanis and motherfucking love song. Yeah. They're launching their new EP, which contains that particular tune. Uh, this Saturday night at the Transcontinental Hotel, 23 minutes away from 9 o'clock, and joined in the studio, as usual, on a Monday morning by Mr Peter J. Black. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, Andrew. I wanted to ask you explicitly about this thing, which I see you did list on your possible topics to talk about. Uh, something we've talked about plenty of times, marriage equality, but also mentioned a couple of times about... Uh, possible moves in some states to pass uh, same-sex marriage laws despite the Federal Marriage Act, which uh, explicitly defines marriage as being between a man and a woman. Um, this has, uh, I think, been floated also in South Australia and in Tasmania, but at the moment New South Wales is the go. They had an inquiry, and my understanding is the inquiry actually made a finding that it is possible for uh, states to legislate for same-sex marriage regardless of the federal act, uh, even though the Constitution, I think, explicitly states uh, that federal government, amongst many other things, has a legal head of power over marriage. So uh, in your capacity as a legal expert, constitutional law guru and the like, what the hell's going on? Is this just desperation and um, posturing by state MPs, or is there actually some some real hope here? There is some real hope. It's certainly an arguable point that the states do have the ability to legislate with respect to same-sex marriage. Uh, let me just sort of take a step back and explain why. So you're right. The Constitution does give the federal government the power to make laws with respect to marriage, but that power is not an exclusive power to the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. It's what's known as a concurrent power, which means that the states can also make laws uh, with respect to marriage. The catch is, though, that another section of the Constitution says that if there's an inconsistency between a valid federal law and a state law, the federal law will prevail to the extent of the inconsistency. So the concern that some people have is that if, although the states could potentially make a law uh, about same-sex marriage, it may be inconsistent with the Commonwealth law that, as you say, now defines marriage as being between a man and a woman. But there is an interesting argument uh, surrounding the possibility of this inconsistency, uh, and that is... A number of constitutional scholars have looked at the Federal Marriage Act and said that what the Federal Marriage Act is about now, since the amendments were introduced to limit marriages being between a man and a woman, was exactly that. It's a law mm -hmm. with respect to marriage between a man and a woman, and that therefore, if a state wanted to make a law about same-sex marriage, you know, between a man and a man, or a woman or a woman, then that's not actually inconsistent with the Commonwealth law at all. It's dealing with a different type of marriage. 
Mm-hmm. Now, that's an, uh, a novel argument. It's quite an interesting argument. It's weakened, of course, by the very fact that the whole reason the federal government mm. introduced that amendment to the Marriage Act to make it between uh, marriages being between a man and a woman was to preclude or prevent um, same-sex marriage. Um, Specifically to head off the states. That's right. Mm. Um, but it's, it's, it's certainly arguable that the states do have that power. We wouldn't know for sure uh, until it would ultimately get challenged in the High Court, which would inevitably happen. Would, would happen. Does, it, does it need the um, federal government to challenge, or can anyone in Australia have standing to challenge... Um, you would have to be uh, affected by the law to try and have standing hmm. challenge. It would pr- so the easiest way that could happen would be the married couples out there whose marriage will disintegrate. <laughs> well, that's, look, that, that's actually a really interesting point in terms of who would potentially have standing to challenge hmm. on that. It may have to be the federal government. But the way that the High Court has... Cory Bernardi could come in with his pet dog and say, this is going to affect my dog because it's going to make bestiality <laughs> illegal next or something. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? You could have little bizarre scenarios like that. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I, I do think that... Um, it would be good if a state did test this space uh, to ultimately work it out. But, of course, I think the ideal situation is that ultimately the federal government would actually uh, make a law that allows for same-sex marriage. would be good. And uh, whilst we're on the topic, the uh, next marriage equality, equality rally is happening on the... 17th, Saturday the 17th of August, Queen's Park in the city from 1pm. Now, another legal matter intertwined, interlaced with uh, political rhetoric at the moment is uh, refugees, asylum seekers arriving on boats, the so-called PNCG solution, sending them to Manus Island and then if found to be refugees, actually settling them permanently in PNG. Touched on this last year, sorry, last week, uh, about whether it's legal under international law. I, I can just preempt you there and say no. Break, breaches international law quite clearly and I don't need to hear anything more about that because that's, that's indisputable uh, unless you want to dispute it. No, no, certainly. I certainly would not dispute that uh, at all. Uh, but the big question is whether it's legal under Australian domestic law. You've had a little bit more time to examine this, uh, see what other legal types are saying about it. What's your, um, what's your assessment? Another, another possible unknown just have to wait and see what the high court does or that's probably the <laughs> that's probably the short answer mm. uh that you would have to wait and see what the high court does uh the relevant section of the migration act that allows the uh minister to uh provide for these sorts of mechanisms is an interesting one. It has actually been changed and amended since the Malaysian solution to actually give the minister greater discretion now. Um, and the, the in, what the legislation now requires is that the minister may designate that a country is a regional processing country, uh, basically on the condition that the minister thinks that it is in quote, the national interest, Mm. uh, which is quite a wide and broad discretion, therefore, that is granted to the minister. Now, the trick 
would be when talking about or working out whether it's in the national interest is that the court would presumably have a look uh, at the objectives of the Migration Act, and one of those objectives is to fulfil our obligations under the Refugee Convention. Mm. Um, and the, the argument then would be that because this uh, proposal as a matter of international law doesn't comply with the Refugee Convention that um, to designate Papua New Guinea as a uh, uh, as a regional processing country, uh, is actually not in the national interest. But we'd, ha- we'd have to we'd have to wait and see. And it, this is you know a tricky area to predict what the High Court would do because most people, myself included, didn't think the High Court would rule that the Malaysian solution mm. um, was inconsistent with Australia's uh, domestic law. So it is a little bit hard to. Uh, predict. And perhaps even more so in regards to unaccompanied minors, um, mm. which was one area where they fell foul as well of the High Court with Malaysia, where the, the immigration minister is actually the legal guardian of yes. these people and therefore has a, uh, a legal obligation, let alone a moral one, to uh, act in the best interests of uh, the child, usually about 16 or 17, but um, still minors under Australian law, although I gather not necessarily under New Guinea law. Um, oh really? What's the minor? Um, I was just just a piece I heard on right, okay. ABC, but I, I think it's not specified. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, bit bit hard to see how it would be in the best interests of uh, a child for them to be shunted off to PNG, particularly if they're unaccompanied. Yes. But uh, we shall see, I suppose. Um, just uh, switching across to another political story, but also a media story and a bit of a social media thing and a bit of a just what the hell. Uh, Anthony Weiner. Is it Anthony? Yes. Who was a member of the US Congress from uh, New York and basically got caught sending photos of himself in his underwear with... Um, making comments about the bulges therein um, and uh, accidentally sent it to uh, the, the wider public instead of an individual who was the target. So uh, not surprisingly, major controversy, great contrition, resigned his seat, uh, but yet he's back again. Yes. Running for a seat in New York, as is Elliot Spitzer, who was another one who was caught out uh, with prostitutes, I think, in yes. the adjoining state. Both of them out there again. Uh, Mr. Weiner been uh, showing his Weiner again. It's just impossible not to make jokes about it. It is. It's, it's, it, <laughs> it really is. It's, uh, it's a comedian's dream, I think, at the whole Anthony Weiner scandal. Been seeing some of the covers of the, the New York, not so much the New York Times tries to be a bit more respectable, but the, the New York Post and the New Yorker even had fabulous cover. The New Yorker did have a fabulous cover of him sort of mounting the Empire State Building. Uh, with his with his um, little iPhone yes. to take photos of himself, yeah, it's uh, extraordinary. But uh, still in a position to win potentially. Um, although uh, you... the, the latest stuff, I guess, has sent another wave of media mockery. But I guess uh, an interesting side component of it is is his wife, who's been standing beside him the whole way, um, even now. And some um, criticism of her, or yeah. she's being a doormat, or whether she's just being a you know strong individual who's sticking by her conviction. I, I find I find the criticism of Anthony Weiner's wife, uh, Huma uh, Aberdeen, to be quite 
uh, quite appalling, really, and, 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 and quite unnecessary in the sense that, sure, Anthony Weiner obviously has made these mistakes now a number of times, and the fact that he was continuing to sext even after he was announcing his political comeback run for mayor of New York shows, I would think, pretty poor judgment hmm. um, on, hmm. on his part. Uh, but he gave a media conference during the week where he did uh, stand up and sort of uh, try to explain himself, and, uh, and his wife, Huma, uh, also did uh, stand up and also, I thought, quite courageously uh, spoke herself to the media didn't wasn't just the the silent good wife standing beside uh, her man she did uh, articulate her her position and uh, basically said that it's her marriage she she loves him she's forgiven him she believes in him and um and, and, and that's really all that is to it. Now, a, a number of commentators, quite a few in the media, have really sort of criticised her uh, for this and uh, accused her of it, of it being a, a, d- a deeply sort of cynical move on, on her part, more for yeah. her own political career than anything else. And the fact that she is a close friend and former staffer to Hillary Clinton uh, as well also seems to sort of have played uh, into that perception of it, whereas, whereas my attitude is... It's their marriage. Mm. Leave them alone. Yes. Well, it'll be interesting to see if he actually gets up. It seems Seems after these... After these... Before these scandals, it actually seemed quite likely. He was mm. leading in the polls. But I would have thought after the, this second wave, uh, it's inconceivable that well, um, he, could, he could win now. They had... Um, what was his name? It was the mayor of Washington, D.C. Marion Barry got caught mm. with cocaine, got sent to jail using cocaine, came back out and got re-elected. Uh, the guy, whose name I can't remember, he was governor of some state who... Yeah, Mark Sanford disappeared. And um, his staff said he was hiking in the mountains in solitude when he was off with an Argentinian mistress down in South America. And he... Um, uh, he's now back in whatever, Congress, he, yeah. He's, again, he's back in. Uh, yeah, he's... It's quite interesting, for, particularly given that perception of the US as a you know, moralistic sort of place. You'd think uh, be the last place that would forgive or accept something like that. But um, Well, the point that's often made in relation to Wiener is that unlike, say, Barry or Clinton or Sanford or even Spitzer, who have quite strong political and legislative achievements behind them, hmm. Wiener doesn't. Hmm. I mean, he was a very... Uh, mediocre congressman by all reports which mm. you know doesn't have a long legislative track record um and, and i think it's probably harder to harder to forgive and forget someone if you don't feel they have also been doing the right thing for you as as your elected representative so i i, I look i i think i think he's in trouble all right. Well, um, makes our politics look boring, which is probably not a bad thing. It really does. Yeah. Why, why do we have these sorts of scandals in Australian politics? Uh, or do we have them in the media just doesn't report them, Andrew? Well, there is the Craig Thompson thing, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh, I suppose, and Peter Slipper. So I yes. suppose we've had a few. <laughs> yes, now that you mention it. And it's, it's not very edifying. No. You're listening to Triple Z, five minutes away from nine o'clock. Subscriber-supported independent community radio... 102.1 FM, or you can listen online, 4zzzfm.org.au. Look up the top there, there's a bit that says listen online, that's what you click on. And you can also listen back on demand 
to uh, any show you like, including this one. It takes about a day for it to get up on the server and stays up there for six weeks or so. Uh, so you uh, can listen back to this if you want to hear more. Mr Black's Pearls of Wisdom, or not more of them, you want to hear them again, just to see if you can follow his highly technical, incredibly insightful and detailed legal analysis. Um, so, on to a few things that don't really require highly detailed technical legal analysis. A few more of your apps and things. Happier. This sounds really, 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 really sort of butterflies and rainbowy sort of thing. It really, really does. It sounds quite unbearable, really. Right. <laughs> you you share it with us then. Uh, so it's a new niche social network called Happier, uh, and it's uh, about celebrating and sharing the small moments of happiness in life. The Lovely. theory being that there's so much negativity on social media, and that it would be nice to have a space where you have the the opposite of that, just for the the, the good news, the, the the sweet things, the things that make you smile and, and, and make you feel good. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think either of us would have a lot to say on this side. No, no, we but, uh, <laughs> for that one. but uh, but I, 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 I suppose it is it is uh, f- serving uh, a niche, but I can't see it uh, threatening the big players anytime soon. But maybe I'm being too cynical. Mm. Yeah, another one, part of Vine, you've talked about Vine a few times, which is basically a, a short video um, sharing s- uh, app or service. Um, there's a trend within Vine, Smack Cam. This yeah. is all your fault because you promoted Vine. I don't, don't quite think it's my fault. So Vine, if people don't know, it's those. It's a short video app. It's six-second videos that are shown in, in, a, in a loop. Um, in my opinion, it is so much with an Instagram video. Get off Instagram video and start Vining everybody. Um, but uh, this is an unfortunate trend. Smack Cam, because it's just these six seconds long, um, it is... Uh, a trend whereby people are just getting their camera out, going up and slapping um, or smacking uh, various different uh, people and usually often in the head and filming their reaction to it. The, the theory being that this is uh, amusing. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, obviously it's not. <laughs> mm. um, but a number of them are um, are going um, viral on Vine. I suppose all of these sort of services occasionally now and again just have these dumb memes that, that go on. You remember the whole planking phenomenon um, oh, that yeah, we saw on you know, Facebook and, and Instagram as well, and people were planking in dangerous situations. And um, So it's not a phenomenon that is unique to Vine, but uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit unfortunate to see. Mm. You wouldn't be putting any smack cams on the app or the social network happier, that's for sure. Right. Um, Google, it's something else. Chromecast, Chromecast sorry. Yeah, Chromecast um, is basically a way for uh, a little device that you plug into your television to basically stream content from your uh, laptop or, or desktop to your TV. Mm-hmm. So it's basically Chrome's version of Apple TV, uh, mm-hmm. which has done uh, a similar sort of thing for some um, time. At the moment, it doesn't sort of really work 
with uh, the iOS, with the Apple uh, ecosystem, but apparently it will uh, at some point uh, soon. It's not as a stylish or seamless solution as Apple's Apple TV, uh, as, ba- as perhaps you would expect, but it's certainly much cheaper. Uh, it seems to work uh, quite easily as well. Not yet apparently available for sale in Australia although you can order them online um, but I'm, I'm sure we will see Chromecast soon and hopefully from at least Google's point of view it'll have more luck than their sort of failed Google TV product that they released a few years ago as well. Hmm. And a calculator to tell you how many times you'll see your parents before they die. This was a uh, curious one. A curious little web app uh, that's a little bit Poignant. It sort of makes you think about uh, your about your loved ones. It's it's very simple. You enter in uh, which country you live in. Uh, you enter in the ages of your parents, uh, and then pretty much on average, how often you'd see them in a year now, and it gives you an estimate as to how many times you will see them before they die. And the theory, of course, is that when you see that as a cold number Mm. Uh, it'll just encourage you to make that effort to see them more regularly to give them a call or whatever it is to make sure that they're still in your life and um so it's a little bit i suppose on its face it seems a little bit creepy but uh it's it's actually quite um as i said quite sort of poignant Mm. when you when you when you're confronted with that number see your folks the name of that one i might do a full circle just back to um PNG stuff, uh, it's one of the uh, interesting aspects, uh, I think, of the PNG deal is uh, Papua New Guinea uh, removing the various uh, caveats. It's not quite the technical term, but some other term. Reservations. Exam- reservations uh, for the Refugee Convention. So the Refugee Convention's got a whole pile of um, uh, clauses in it, and uh, when countries ratify them or agree to them, they can lodge reservations saying we, we agree to this apart from various clauses and the clauses mm. they had re- um, what did you say? Reservations. <laughs> reservations uh, yeah. about, uh, were about right to, for people if they were resettled to uh, obtain work and basically be an equal citizen. So they've uh, rescinded all those. Um, but I as I think I mentioned briefly last week, the, the real big existing continuing refugee issue for PNG is actually many thousands of people who have come across from West Papua, mm. uh, which, of course, is, is part of Indonesia via a outrageously rigged so-called act of, act of free choice back in the 1960s. There's been continuous bubbling along of uh, independence movements or uh, at least self-determination or greater local uh, control, uh, very resource-rich uh, part of Indonesia, uh, and after losing East Timor, particularly um, obsessed, I don't think it's too strong a word, about not losing West Papua, but uh, not really controlling it terribly well. The, um, the human rights abuses there with uh, police and military, and the, the military in Indonesia, I think it's only about a third of their funding actually comes from government. The rest of their funding to run the military come from uh, private activities, right. so being security forces and the like in uh, private security, and particularly in places like PNG with the mines, sorry, West Papua with the mines there. Um, I, I suppose, um, just mentioning this partly because I wanted to have a rave about it, and also because there is a a fundraiser happening this Thursday for a freedom, freedom flotilla that's going to try and uh, sail across to West Papua from uh, northern Queensland. Good luck with that one. It's going to be a tough one, but uh, they're uh, giving the shot. 
um, quite openly about it. So there's a fundraiser this Thursday night at the Brews Brothers Microbrewery at Wellington Road, East Brisbane. Um, I suppose just thought I'd throw that back to you completely um, uh, unawares in regards to uh, how that might be uh, a major impediment to the so-called regional solution, or not so-called, the real regional solution that many people across the spectrum say is the only way we're really going to address uh, asylum seekers in our uh, in our region. Uh, we've got uh, those many thousands of West Papuans in PNG and tens and tens of thousands of Rohingyas from Western Burma in places like Malaysia and Thailand who... Uh, ironically, since the reducing of military control of Burma or Myanmar uh, has actually opened up more space for people to uh, even more vociferously attack uh, Rohingyas uh, who uh, are seen as not being citizens. So a um, bit of ethnic cleansing happening there in, the, in that part of the world. Um, how does uh, international law help us with all that? Uh, hasn't <clears throat> I don't necessarily know that it does help us that much. Uh, well, what are we going to do about that? We're going to about that. Well, well, as you as you say, the theory or, or the hope would be that we would be able to move to a genuinely uh, regional solution rather than the. Uh, you know, the PNG solution now or the Malaysian solution before both have been referred to as regional solutions aren't regional solutions at all. They're uh, Australian solutions whereby we basically make the problem, or try to make the problem someone else's. Um, but if we could move towards a genuinely regional um, solution, um, then that would be one that is in accordance with uh, both the, uh, the letter of international law as well as the principles of international law. Um, but uh, I think we're a long way from there yet. Mm. Right, on that sobering note, we'll um, monitor that situation as well. We've got Z-Lines people keen to inform our listeners even further about other important issues. So we'll vacate the space for them. Thanks for coming in once again. Thank you.